But if you will, open up your Bibles to Psalms 103. Psalm 103. And uh, if I titled this morning, I might call it Healing on My Mind. Um, and uh, there's a lot of things on people's minds nowadays. And the TV will help you or the radio will help you. The internet, the news will help you. Uh, you, you know, I, I got my hair cut the other day, uh, and uh, the girl asked me some questions, and she brought up the coronavirus. And, uh, and I said, do you guys talk about that in here? She said, every day, all day long. It's on everybody's mind. And she said, I'm so done with this. And... Uh, and I thought, wow, she said every day, all day long. And so what I'm getting at is you don't have to go far and others will introduce you to certain things. Are you with me? And uh, I'm not trying to say we should bury our head in the sand and act like something is not out there because that would be foolish, you know. Um, you know, and that would be true across the board of other things. But we're going to look today at uh, healing, and there are other things concerning communion, but we're going to look at this from a Bible standpoint. What does the Bible say about healing? Did healing, you know, pass away? Uh, does, is healing for today, was healing only for the Jews, you know? People have all those questions, but healing uh, is for today. And uh, we're going to look at some different things. We, we need to understand this when we approach the Bible. The New Testament is a new covenant, that means there's an old, old covenant, testament, same wording. And uh, Hebrews says this, this is a new covenant established on better promises. Better promises or better benefits to the new covenant. And uh, if you got a new house and it had dirt floors and, uh, you know, their last house had carpet good carpet and was like 3,000 square foot and you moved into a 600 square foot house in a neighborhood that was rough and dirt floors, you would go, this is better, right? No air conditioning. The other one had air conditioning. The other one was paid for. You got to make payments on this. There's no running water. You know, like they used to say, no running water, uh, no bath, only a path. You figure that out. you got to go to the woods. Is that better? Some of you aren't sure. No? Somebody said, well, is there oil on the property? Because No, no trick question. You know, uh, you know, is this where the Beverly Hillbilly shot and the oil came up? No, it's not that. You have to know then what is better. Most people know what's better. Some people don't know. Some people get confused. Like sometimes people say, well, the Lord's just trying to teach me something. This is good for me when I get sick. No, it's not. Just in case people got confused on that. But if it's a better covenant and the old covenant had healing provision and other provision, would it be better to have taken it away? No, no. It wouldn't be better. And, and so we're going to look at that in a brief, condensed thing. And if you've been around here, we've looked at other scriptures at different times about healing. 
And it is mentioned in the New Testament and the Old Testament. So it's fair to look at these verses. Psalm 103, and we're going to begin in verse 1. And it says this, uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's what it said. Then it says, And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Well, it's an interesting statement right there. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The guy who wrote it said soul or emotions or mind. Bless the Lord. Why do you got, got to tell your mind and your emotions to actively bless the Lord? Why, why would anybody have to tell somebody or tell their own emotions and their own mind, hey, soul, bless the Lord. Uh, not part of it, all of it. A-U, emotions, mind, bless the Lord. If your kids take out the trash, do you have to tell them to take out the trash? Some of you, these are not trick questions this morning. These are real simple, real simple questions. No, you tell them because they're not doing it. I mean, if they just got done taking out the trash, you wouldn't say, take out the trash. If you just got done going, hallelujah, you wouldn't need to tell your soul, bless the Lord. And he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. In other words, just don't go, oh, bless you, Lord. Do it with everything in you, soul. Get engaged completely. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That would mean that there's probably some distractions that are working here. That would make somebody not look to bless the Lord with all their soul. And then he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me. In other words, I'm going to have to engage myself completely, wholeheartedly. Bless His holy name. Verse 2, think about this. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He just got done saying that. You think you're going to ever have to tell your soul? You ever had to tell yourself, yes, we are getting up. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it's about time, right? Up we go. And so when he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, sometimes you're going to have to tell yourself. And sometimes you're going to have to do something and tell yourself, this is what we're going to do. You are a triune being. If it was just up to the spiritual part of a person who is saved, they'd want to do everything the Lord wants them to do without question. The problem is you have a will. That's a blessing. But it also comes with responsibility. And there are times we need to decide. And go, this is what I'm going to do. And, and you could even teach a sermon on focusing on the Lord and putting Him first in your life. Why would you have to teach that? Because people need to do that. 
And so that means it doesn't just happen. And what the necessity for a believer to be taught that is to help encourage them along the right path. And so when he did this, he wasn't teaching anybody else but himself. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Make sure you do it with all your soul. No, me. And so we need to do that. In verse 2, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and. Oh, and? I thought that was enough. But he's about to tell you what makes for right blessing the Lord. Because you can bless the Lord and maybe not do it with all your soul, or you could do it in a wrong way. I remember a, a preacher was uh, traveling and God had dealt with him and he was walking down a highway and uh, as he was walking down the highway, he, he just said, Lord, it doesn't matter what comes, I will serve you. And it started to rain and the temperature dropped and it started freezing and it was just like coming down and it was like sleeting and he was on this journey where he was on foot and he just said, Lord, I don't care if you send this on me, I'm going to bless you. Problem with that is God didn't send that on him. But he had part of it right. He said, I'm still going to bless you. This isn't going to deter me. But the problem was he had done the first part of this, but he uh, didn't do the second part. And they beat, they're married. You know the scripture, what God has joined together, don't let man separate. In other words, if God joins a man and a woman together, you know, in, in marriage, then people shouldn't put that apart. But there are other things God has joined together that people shouldn't separate either. Like, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and, and maybe you're sending some bad stuff on me. And I'm just still going to bless you. Well, it's, it's admirable to bless, regardless of what's coming. But to think that um, he's putting bad on people is, is a wrong thing. Especially his own people. Now, let's read on. Because I knew you wanted to. Bless the Lord, verse 2, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget all his benefits. No, forget not all his benefits. Hey, if you get a rental car, you can sign up for benefits. You know, insurance to cover if the window gets broken or if it gets in an accident and different things. Those are benefits that are provided if you pay more. Or maybe you have insurance that covers it. Because think about it, if you don't know that benefit and a rock hits your window, uh, they charge you for the time on the rental car that it's not being driven while it's getting. So they'll charge you for another day or two till that window is replaced. But if you have the benefit, you need to know the benefit. Because there's no reason for you to pay for what's already been paid. But how many people have been taken advantage of because they didn't know benefits? And so he said here, forget not. Forget not. And notice he said, 
all of his benefits. So there's a responsibility in my own life to not forget certain things. And, and I would venture to say, we live in a world that right now is pushing disproportionate information. And, and if we're not careful, we can go, oh yeah, yeah, we've got these benefits, but we're not looking at them maybe like there is an extreme value in those benefits, and there is real value in those benefits. And you'll have to remember that. Notice this. Who, who this is God who forgives most of your iniquities. You could tell some Christians think that way because they'll say this, but I've done it so many times. Well, that's all. That includes those extras. All. All. All of them. All your iniquities. Notice, all of them. All the wrong. So I need to remember that, but you can see how people forget. Yeah, but, but yeah, I realize he forgave me a hundred times, but I knew better when I did it that time. Well, you probably knew better before then. That, now understand, you don't want to live in that realm of just doing wrong because it will affect you, but he has paid for it all. And he said, forget not all his benefits. Notice this, who heals most of your diseases. But you know what happens is this. Just like people think maybe not all their sins, they'll say, yeah, but this is different. No, the only difference is, is we have forgotten that it is his benefit. Don't get too quiet out there. Why do you need to be told to bless the Lord? If everything was just rosy and... Woohoo! You you wouldn't. Nobody'd have to tell nobody to bless the Lord. I mean, nobody's going to go around in heaven and go, "Why aren't you praising the Lord?" You need to tell your soul, "Bless the Lord," because you know how depressed they are in heaven. Oh, praise the Lord! No, never. And so, if if we have to tell our soul do something, there may be a reason why. Why do people tell people to cheer up? Because they're so happy. You know, most people don't say to a real happy person, cheer up. If they do, it's sarcasm. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> you need to cheer up. And they're half giddy all the time. And cheerful. So... If you're having to tell your soul, then there may be some different things. And if you're having to be told to remember that a benefit is forgiving all your sins, there's a necessity to it. I mean, how many people, when some germ comes, they go on the internet, some new whatever, and they study everything about it. They get a pain in their knee, and they go study about all these pains in the knee. Is there anything wrong with looking to find out? No. But how many people at that point 
go, I need to go look at scriptures that cover healing and study all of them. And, and are there scriptures that literally cover knees and joints and bones and ligaments? And you know those are all in there? And then what people will do is you could tell they're forgetting benefits because they'll look at the long-term outcome of this problem. And they'll study what's going to happen and how it will progress and get worse. That means I'm forgetting that it can change. Oh yeah, no, but I know that, you know, by his something, you know, when he got whipped or something and then, then, then there was healing. I know those verses. But what do we know more? What, what do we know more? Uh, are we forgetting his benefits? Are we, are we as diligent as studying the problem as we are studying what is a solution? I mean, it's amazing how many people believe in all kinds of things, salves and different things, you know, you can wrap your feet and put vinegar on it and do this, and, and they believe in that. You know, if you wear a aluminum foil hat, you'll stop the Martians from sending radio waves to your head. Somebody's like, serious? No. And you're like, great. No. Forget the whole Martian thing is what I'm getting at. But you think about it, we need to remember and really, when we talk about remember, we're talking about respect, reverence to something that is, is substantial here, God's Word. And so when he said, forget all, all his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Interesting verse. Forget not his benefits. Verse 5. Forget not that he loves you, that his healing is for you, deliverance is for you, protection is for you. But notice he throws right in there, who satisfies your mouth with good things. You know, is, is sickness a good thing? Is disease a good thing? Is destruction a good thing? No. No. No, because we know that because one thing people talk about when you get to heaven is what? No more sickness, no more pain, no more disease, no more sorrow. Because those things will be gone. So those aren't good things. They're not good things. But notice, He satisfies your mouth with good things. He said, remember these things. And then He said, He satisfies your mouth with good things. Why is it important to throw in this, your mouth? And what you what's coming out of your mouth. You know, there are some people who will read some scriptures about healing, but what's really on their mind comes out of their mouth, and so all they do is talk sickness. 
They read a verse, but it's really not on their mind. They've forgotten about it, and they're remembering something else, so it's in their mouth. I can't do that. Or this. Here's the interesting thing. Who satisfies your mouth with good things? What good things? Isn't deliverance from destruction a good thing? Isn't being crowned with loving kindness and tender mercy a good thing? Isn't a benefit of health and deliverance a good thing? Notice what he said after. So that. So that. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You ever seen a young person... You know, you think of a young person, you think of a a vibrant person uh, with lots of energy. When you think of somebody sick, they're laid up. Right? I mean, they're laid up. They're inhibited. They're affected by this. And so he said here, he will satisfy your mouth with good things so that, or it will produce a life that is renewed like the eagles. And notice that your youth is renewed. And when we think of youth, we think of vibrancy. Don't we? I mean, we just got done with Christmas. It was yesterday. And if you had kids around, they're the ones sitting on the couch the whole time while you, the adults, are down on the ground playing. They're the ones who are totally quiet. Right? And you're the one all talking loud and going, woohoo! No, the youth are the vibrant ones. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we're not vibrant because we're not on the ground playing with the toys. We do that after they go to bed anyway, right? How did this break in the middle of the night? I don't know. But you think about it. Youth being renewed. And he said that in the context of all these other things. Proverbs 12, on our way into the New Testament... Proverbs 12, the next book over, is very interesting. So forget not. Don't forget, and soul, we need to think about this. We need to feed on this. We need to, you know, look at it. We would do that if we were tempted, wouldn't we? I mean, if I was tempted with wrong, I would be thinking, I need to look that I've got new life, that I've been made new, that I'm dead to sin. I wouldn't be, like, studying sin, This is what happens after you do it. This is how miserable you are. This is the problem with it. I wouldn't do that. Proverbs 12. This is the book of wisdom. This means this is the book that will help you to live right. And notice this here in Proverbs, the 12th chapter, and in the 18th verse, it says, There is one who speaks. Remember, he's going to put good words in your mouth, and he already told you, don't forget these things. Where do you think you're going to get these good words from? By not forgetting, by keeping them in your mind and in your mouth. And so notice he said, there is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword. Well, that that doesn't sound good. You ever been poked by words? The Bible talks about some people's words, they're so harsh, they can enter into a person. That's why you've got to be careful with your words. 
You know, physical abuse is one thing. Verbal abuse is another thing. And it's real. Physical abuse will only hit the body. But verbal abuse will go into the inner chambers of a person, the Bible said. You can destroy somebody. There are a lot of people who are wounded emotionally and are crippled emotionally and don't function well emotionally just because they've been assaulted with words that have gone beyond their, their physical being and gone inside of them. God can help deliver a person out of that too. Part of Jesus' ministry was to minister to the brokenhearted and to bring recovery to people who were emotionally bruised. Amen? Not just physical, but the whole thing. And so here he said, there is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes or generates health. But it will generate protection. Because Psalm 91 says that we are to declare our dwelling in the secret place and being protected. And we need to realize that our tongue is a powerful, powerful tool. And if we're not conscious of our tongue, we'll talk about all kinds of stuff all the time. And the way you become conscious is one, your relationship with God, but then through Scripture, you will become conscious. It will help you to get the right things. And part of it is, do you remember the benefits? And if you remember the benefits, here's a qualifying factor. Do you believe in the benefits? Do you believe these benefits are more superior? And the only way you're going to believe they're more superior than anything is if you believe the Word of God is superior. Deliverance is through the Word of God. Healing is through the Word of God. Salvation is through the Word of God. Protection is through the Word of God. All of it is through the Word of God. So we need to recognize the integrity of the Word of God. And isn't it interesting that that is something that's attacked by the enemy? Why? Because if he can get rid of your thoughts and ideas and heart conviction to its integrity, he's won a mighty battle. But if the, your integrity is in what everybody else says, and it is the superior factor, then you're going to move according to that. And when I say you, I mean anybody. But when we look at the superiority of the Word of God, and that it is absolute, regardless of what's going on, and we remember that and think like that, we're not accepting something weak. We're accepting something that is powerful. So turn to 1 Corinthians 11. And we're going to read these verses before we receive communion. And uh, these are very interesting. Words and actions are huge. But what dictates them? It should be the integrity of God's Word. How many people don't realize the integrity of this Word, but when life is all said and done, the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. Everything in the earth will, will eventually leave the earth, so to speak. And the Word will still exist. 
it will still exist. If the Lord doesn't come for another hundred years, you know how people are going to get saved? Through the Word. You know how people are going to be overcomers? Through the Word. This is still going to be true. Still going to be a fact long after people are gone. Long after dictators and evil rulers have left the earth, the Word's still true. Long after the apostles and other believers have left the earth, the Word of God is still true. The sad part is, is not that the Word is not true, but people who don't accept it that way don't benefit from it. That's the sad thing. Because they, they may do other things, but they don't benefit fully from what is here. Why would I think? Why would I esteem something as big if I don't believe in its value? Notice this, 1 Corinthians, and we'll see a couple of very interesting things here before we receive communion. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord... This is Paul writing to this church group. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. In other words, I got it from him, I gave it to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he's about to write these two verses, they are identical to what's written in other places in the Bible, and he said he didn't get it from reading it there. He said, I got it actually from the Lord. Notice this. The night he was betrayed, he took bread and juice, or wine, grape juice, the fruit of the vine. He said, and when he, notice this, when he was betrayed, he took bread. Verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When you do this, this is my body. It's not his literal body. There's a term in the church world. And it's called transubstantiation. If you need the spelling, you're going to have to look it up. But what does that mean? It means, you know, there are some people that believe when you take communion, it actually becomes his body. and actually becomes his blood. That is not what he's teaching. Because he said, when you do it, remember me. In other words, the body that was broken, his body, is represented by that bread. And you're to remember, do it in remembrance of me, do it in remembrance of me, do it in remembrance of me, do it in remembrance of me. What does it mean? It's a specific remembrance. It's of his body. What did we just read? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Where did the benefits come from? How did the benefits become yours, or mine, or other people's? Well, it happened when he died, and when he was whipped, 
And when he was beaten, he became a substitute to pay for sin, to pay for different things. And notice he said, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, the bread, and said, take and eat it. This is my body, or represents what he was going to do with his body, which is, notice the phrase, broken for me. No, he didn't say, he said, for you. For you. Remember, something happened for you when my body was broken. Notice, we said this before, forget not all his benefits. Something happened when his body was broken. You need to remember that. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Well, that cup was the fruit of the vine, is what the scripture calls it. So it was like wine or a grape thing. That's why people use grape juice. But he called it his blood, but it wasn't his blood, but it was a reminder of it. This do as often as you drink it, as often as you do it, it doesn't tell you how often, it just tells you what to do when you do it, whenever you do it, whether you do it every day or once a year, do it in remembrance of me. Remember the blood and remember the body that was broken. Well, what happened with his body? When his body was broken, the Bible said he became a curse. And the Bible said he was whipped. And by the stripes that when he was whipped, it says the payment for your healing was made. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. And 1 Peter 2, 24. Talk about how he was whipped. And when he was whipped, a payment was made. But how many people are going, God, do something, instead of remembering He did something? God, do something. But He said, remember, I did do something. And what about the blood? Oh, Lord, please do something about my sins. And No, remember, He already washed you. And remember, His blood bought you. Do it in remembrance of Him or what He did or was going to do. Notice this for as often, verse 26, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. In other words, we show it forth. We manifest His work when we do this appropriately. We manifest a clean conscience as a believer when we do this appropriately. We, we, we can be liberated from evil things that try to bind because the blood has delivered us. Addictions, it doesn't matter what. Oppression, because the blood bought us. And the blood and then the body paid for stuff for strength for the whole man. But you've got to remember that. And you're, notice he said it again. For as often as you eat this and drink this, you, this cup and this bread, you proclaim or show forth and manifest his death or his work until he comes. So something should happen here. But we're going to read on 
and just briefly touch on this, and I won't give it justice, for, but for five, ten minutes, I'm, we're going to look at a couple of things after. Because we've read this before when we were teaching on healing a few weeks back. Verse 30, it talks about why Christians are sick, why Christians are weak in body, and why some die even premature. But here's the thing. He wasn't giving it so it would happen. He was giving it for a solution so that that wouldn't occur. And he said, and we'll read it in verse 30, um, verse 30, for this reason many are weak, feeble in body, and sick among you, and many sleep or die prematurely. So that tells us because of something, it happened, but if you can solve the reason why it happened, then you don't have to be weak, you don't have to be sick, and you don't have to die premature. And these are questions people have. Well, if God loved so-and-so and they were better than everybody else, why are they always sick? It doesn't matter how good or bad you are, so to speak. He tells you there is a way of freedom for your life. Verse 27. Notice there's three verses in between. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be responsible or guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. In other words, he makes this statement, therefore whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, it doesn't mean you're unworthy, it's the manner in which you do it is not appropriate. And notice when he started talking about this, these people actually had been doing it in an appropriate manner. These people would take communion and they didn't take it in the right way and they had not grape juice, they brought wine. And they would just drink and get drunk. Talk about a service. Why? That's an unworthy manner. Why? Because it's supposed to be representing the blood of Jesus and they've made it something uh, profane. Notice this, I'm going to read the 27th verse from the Amplified Bible. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him will be guilty or responsible of profaning and sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. See, when people hear the word sin against the body and the blood of the Lord, oh, I don't want to sin Sin means miss the mark. If you don't do it right, you sin. You miss the mark. You're not hitting the target right. You're not making the proper connection. But he said profane it. That's a bad six, seven letter word right there. Profane. What does profane mean? It means of a person, of their behavior not being respectful of, 
a certain orthodox or religious practice. They're irreverent. In other words, they profane it when they take it by just going, give me that bread, give me the juice, and they don't realize, they don't reverence what they're actually doing. Uh, they're doing this, uh, remembering the actual payment. The unworthy manner is just taking it. Taking it with no regard, no respect for what it represents. That's why he kept saying, remember it. And so you have to remember that these things were provided. Remember his benefits. Notice verse 8. They didn't realize what they were doing when they took it. They just took it like it was grape juice. You know, we shouldn't be bothered and go, oh, what kind of grape juice is this? I only do Welch's. That's an unworthy manner. Because it's not the issue of, well, this grape juice tastes better than this. No, it's realizing what it represents. What he paid for for you. Notice verse 28. But let a man examine or a woman examine themselves, and then so let him eat the bread and drink the cup. What does it mean examine? Make sure you know. Make sure you're doing it with the right attitude. That this represents the Lord's body. Because if you read, they would bring their own food and bread and they would feast. If you read the chapter or parts before this, they would come together and some people would just go, it's time for communion. Instead of having it provided, they'd just start chowing down, eat a bunch of bread and other people wouldn't be able to eat because they didn't bring it or partake. And then they just started drinking and getting drunk. That was an unworthy manner. They weren't taking it going, I'm by faith receiving what was done through the body of Jesus. I'm receiving by faith what happened through the blood of the Lord. That was the unworthy manner. They were like, ah, man, this is a great meal. No, that's not what it was to represent. He basically said, you have houses if you want to eat and drink. In other words, you want a meal? Go eat your tacos at home. Or eat your bread at home and, and, and chow down like that. But while we're doing this, we're doing it to remember and partake. And he said, examine yourself. Verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks, eats and drinks, judgment, or he becomes responsible for himself, not discerning or not understanding the Lord's body. In other words, what the Lord paid for. Here's the, the uh, God's Word translation. It says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an improper, improper way will be held responsible for the Lord's body and blood. Why would somebody be responsible for the body and blood of the Lord? You know, when people die without the Lord, they're responsible for what the Lord did. He died in vain for them. He went to the cross and they didn't accept the payment. He died and made a payment and they didn't even accept the payment. 
the world then becomes responsible for their own way of salvation and there is no other salvation. This is not to condemn anybody when they partake of this. Some people, you know, will leave and there will be a bunch of cups unopened. That's not what he's teaching. He's trying to tell people, you need to know what, what happened. You need to remember the benefits. A worthy manner for partaking of communion is when you partake of the bread, you, you remember, man, this represents everything the Lord paid for for me. That's a worthy manner. He did this, his body, I'm remembering what he did till he comes back. I'm remembering he took stripes on his body by those stripes, it says, I was delivered, or you were delivered, and I remember that. That it's more powerful, his work is more powerful than anything that's going on in the earth. And some people think, oh, you know, you know but I'm bound up by sin, and it's a strong one. The blood is more powerful. Do it in a worthy manner when you partake and go, you know what, this blood, this thing that represents the blood, is greater than an addiction. It's greater than me living mean. It's greater. That's a worthy manner. Unworthy is, man, I wish I would have had like four of these together because that would have tasted really good. No, you can go drink four more if you want to after, but you're not taking communion then. You're just Drinking grape juice. But when you're taking communion, you want to do it in a worthy manner. And that's internal. You have to examine yourself and go, this is a respectful thing. I'm not profaning this, which means disrespect like it's not a holy thing. No, I'm believing this is a holy thing. This is a representation of what he paid for. And so I'm not going to profane it by going, boy, that sourdough bread I had yesterday with butter was a lot better tasting than this. No, because that's not what this is. That sourdough bread may have tasted ten times better than this plain wafer. But that's not what we're talking about. We're examining ourselves and we're just putting our heart in check and going, I remember your benefit. And when I partake of this, it'll be like somebody praying for me. And what he paid for, I, I take this in a respectful manner. That's why you're examining yourself. I'm part of the body of Christ now if I've received the Lord. What he did with his body, he did for me, he did for all of us. I'm going to treat the body in a good way. The other believers. And so he's not trying to have anybody feel condemned or go, oh great, is this a worthy... You can do this in a worthy manner like that. You can just go, I respect this. It's not the juice, it's what the juice represents. It's not the wafer, it's what the wafer represents. And so I'm doing this and not making it profane as though it's an irreverent, unholy thing. I'm just going, this is a holy action. And so when I eat the bread, I'm respecting it. Why? Why should I even respect it? 
Because His Word, His Word, and, and it should be just as real as if Jesus came and laid hands on you. Because think of what He said. He said, you, by doing this properly, manifest. His payment and what He did until He comes. You manifest it by doing this in a proper way. And therefore, there should not be weak and sick. And on and on. But don't look at your body. Look to Him. Everybody okay? What if you've been sick in the past? That's why we teach. We can learn and grow. And walk in. Why were they sick? Same reason lots of people are. That's not to condemn anybody. It, it, he's just giving a solution. He's wanting to help. And how many people have questions and are they not answered? So he said, just do it in a worthy manner. When you partake of the juice, we do it in remembrance of him. We look back at that time he was whipped and beaten and nailed to the cross and his blood was shed and then it was poured you know, and represented in heaven to make a way for us and delivered us from the enemy. We do it in a worthy manner. 